and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I'm David Bax. And thank you for listening. David. Yes. How you doing? I'm excited because we are about to pay some bills. It's, you know what? <laughs> I can't think of any more adult statement than that. <laughs> we got to keep these lights on. Yeah. So, yes, and we will do that because we do have a guest. So we want to get uh, we want to get the unpleasantness out of the way, or at least... <laughs> it's not unpleasant, though. Our sponsors are wonderful. Oh, I'm going to read this in a very unpleasant way. Uh, Mooby. <laughs> this episode is sponsored by Mooby. Okay, anyway. Sorry, everybody. That, that was I'm, a delight. I'm feeling very about. silly today. All right. This episode is sponsored by Mooby, a curated online cinema that brings its members a hand-picked selection of the best independent, international, and classic films. Every day, Mooby's curators introduce a new title, and you have 30 days to watch it. That means there's always 30 wonderful films to enjoy, all for only $4.99 a month. Plus, when you use their mobile apps, you can download films to watch offline. This week, new movies on the site include The Immigrant, Charlie Chaplin's unforgettable mixture of physical comedy, directorial prowess, and sharp social commentary. Also, Olivier Assayas' Boarding Gate, a globe-trotting psychodrama starring Asia Argento. These films and more are available at Mubi.com. There is also a special offer for listeners of Battleship Pretension. Of course there is. They deserve it. That, absolutely, they, they do. They taste. Uh, you can try Mubi free for a month. Just go to Mubi.com, that's M-U-B-I dot com slash Battleship to redeem now. That's one free month of Mubi. Uh, we do have another sponsor that we will talk about right now. This episode is also brought to you by Dodd Skull Investigations, the debut graphic novel by author John Ingle. Volume 1, The Simeon Case, is a sci-fi detective story about a private investigator living in a world populated by intelligent animals and sentient objects. And I will say really quick, uh, so I, I went to his Indiegogo page, and the artwork looks absolutely fantastic. I highly recommend it. And right now, there is... Sorry, I wanted to go... That was an unsolicited extra that's, plug. I that's, threw, that's not on my phone anywhere, David. Yeah. Uh, that's Someone, just... So, that's just, from the heart. You decided to put a little, little extra mustard on the hot dog. Absolutely. Thanks, John. I, uh, your check is in the mail, I have to assume. Uh, right now, there is an exciting new Indiegogo campaign that isn't meant to raise money. The book is already finished, but instead is a pre-ordering platform. You give 20 bucks and you get a signed copy of the book. So just click on the ad at BattleshipPretension.com to get your copy of Dodd Skull Investigations Volume 1, The Simeon Case. That was exhilarating. I feel good about us making money off of things that we believe in movie dodd skull right i'm trying to think if we've ever had a sponsor that i that i don't like right yeah what if uh there's something you don't like you know how you don't like any food at all what if like a a lebanese restaurant go because you're like i don't think i could take their money (laughs) you're not ever going to come within 50 yards of a falafel on purpose yeah i try right? to avoid it if i can tyler's the pickiest eater in the world we'll, we'll get that to get to that with the with the, the word cat. is super taster jerk all right but, i took the test uh, and everything okay. let's let's put a pin in that because we are going to come back to that i know we will all right would you take money from you know uh joe and joe and lisa's lebanese restaurant and falafel house if i didn't i'm sure someone would uh say i was being racist well you probably would be oh that is true. Most of the reason that I don't like certain foods is because I hate the people that make it. That make it. Let's bring on our guest. Absolutely. I'm very excited I'm to excited. have this guest on uh, because I've been hearing. Uh, well, I heard first through um, our uh, mutual friend West Anthony, mm-hmm. uh, contributor to BattleshipPretension.com and frequent guest on this podcast, West Anthony, um, about a documentary called Out of Print, 
and he told me we were at uh we were at the um the noir exhibit at the skirball center and i was talking about he, he was like who you got coming up and he was like you gotta have this person on sounds to me like he didn't really even care about the answer he said who do you have coming up i don't care yeah Here's who you should yeah have. it's like when someone asks you like Oh, what book would you bring on a desert island? And then they just they're just waiting for you to get through your yeah. response so they can tell you. I would bring Snow Crash or whatever. If that person ever said if someone <laughs> ever said to you, What would what book would you bring on a desert desert island? And you say which one, and then you say, What about you? And they say, You know what, oddly enough, I've never thought about it. <laughs> then that person is suddenly my best friend because yeah, he is genuine the person height, the height of sincerity. Okay. Let's let's stop uh, beating around the bush here. Absolutely. Let's bring our guest on. She's the director of Out of Print, uh, which hopefully you will all be able to see soon in a variety of uh, platforms and distribution methods and venues. Hopefully all digital. And um, it's been 20 minutes since she told me how to pronounce her name, so I'm taking a stab in the dark again. It's Julia Marchesi. Hey, you got it. All oh, right. Hell, yeah. <clears throat> how are you? Well done. Julia? I'm good. Thank you for being here. Thank you for thank having you, me. Thank you for sitting through all that. No problem. Uh, Are you going to start a movie account? Sure, why not? Yeah, you get let, a discount. Let me make a suggestion. Okay. Uh, perhaps if you go to movie.com slash battleship, you yes. can get that first month for free. There you well, go. hey. You know, that way you're not in anything. But here's the thing. You're definitely going to want to renew and pay that five bucks a month. And you're definitely going to want to read all about Dodd's Call Investigations. Yeah. Well, you don't read about it. You, you, you read, read it. it. Yeah. It's already okay. done. Weren't you listening? The book's there, already done. I guess yeah. I thought it this was a, a book this about... Indi- this is an Indiegogo for uh, summaries? <laughs> Just, <laughs> I thought it was like an oral history of the making of this graphic novel. Oh, yeah, I'd give that more money. Um, but let's get to know Julia. Indeed. Where? First off, where are you from? That's always what I want to know. I, and what sports teams do you root for? Not, I don't care about That's that. That's always what I want to know. Have to answer no that. sports. Don't care. Okay. Really, really don't. I watched the uh, Super Bowl for the first time in my entire life this year because I was snowed in in Boston with my uncle and I couldn't get out. Good, good one to start with from what yeah. I hear. Yeah, I, even, I, even I watched that last uh, five minutes. Yeah, well, not bad. Um, so I was a good bo- halftime show. Katy Perry, you kidding me? Left she, Shark, the whole bit. Um, she killed it. I was born and raised... In Las Vegas, Nevada. Yeah? I was. Everyone always looks so surprised. You never they... hear of that. No, you don't. That's, that's, very, uh, but that's exciting. Th- yeah, I was born and raised there, and neither of my parents work for a casino. And Is that a question you get a yes, lot? Yes. And um, but see, I don't know anybody who's a stripper. Uh, I know yeah. some people who are dealers. And that's funny, too, because you're like, oh, let me call my dealer friend. And then everyone's like, oh. <laughs> and you're like, no, no, he's a card dealer. <laughs> well, see, as a guy who watched eight years of csi what i want to know is did you ever solve any murders were there any like gruesome uh well did you ever meet uh william peterson (laughs) Um, no i avoid crime shows i find them kind of repulsive like it's really weird because i'm a big i'm a big horror nerd Mm -hmm. and like any kind of horror gore i'm fine with but war gore or medical gore or like that kind of like crime gore freaks me out and See, so, it's, I mean, it's all just it. as fake. I don't understand. Like, where in my brain it doesn't connect. But I, I haven't watched it in seven years. I think probably. But CSI, like as it like at its height when it was like the most popular show on TV, CBS was clearly letting them get away with anything, and that meant some of that stuff got really, really gory. Mm. Do you watch Hannibal? No. <laughs> Speaking of horror gore, that is maybe the goriest TV show I've watched on any network. Right? right? I mean, yeah. I mean I, yeah. although I haven't seen Dexter, I'm sure that's pretty horrible. Are you a TV person at all, or are you strictly a film person? Um, I 
I'm very, very choosy. Like I can name on one hand, like the the TV shows I've liked in my lifetime. Okay. Like Twin Peaks is on there. Sure. Freaks and Geeks is on there. Life on Mars, the original UK version yeah. is incredible. Um, the Paradise, which they're doing over in the BBC now is also awesome. Um, That's, it's weird that Life on Mars makes your top five. I love, I love, I love Life on Mars. Like, I cannot tell you how much I love it. John Sim I mean, is one of my I, favorite I actors the in the thing. world. Did and you watch, um... What was it called? The like the Ashes 80s to Ashes. Ashes to Ashes. Did you watch no, that? No, because John Sim wasn't in it, oh. so I wasn't I wasn't into that. But I like for me, this is kind of weird. But like if I if I uh, woke up and I was in 1974 Manchester, England, I would be the happiest person in the entire world. <laughs> like I really would. So I just go, oh, that's so awesome, David. Uh, if you could wake up in a yeah, specific time period, what would, would it be? And city, sure. Uh, man, that's a that's a tough. You know what? Obviously, you're asking me because you already have an answer. I don't really. Yeah, I'm a, a pretty a good person, is what I'm saying. <laughs> um, I that that's a that's a great uh, that's a great question. I would want to. Uh, uh, I've narrowed it down to two. Okay, I either want to be on the Lower East Side in the late '70s and know like Debbie S- Harry and John Lurie and those sleazy Forty yeah. Second Street type right. of stuff, or a few years later. In Los Angeles, I'd like to, in like 80, 81, 82 in Los Angeles, and be seeing like the Circle Jerks and Black Flag and all that kind of stuff, hanging mm. out of the Okie Dog and all that stuff I used to read about uh, when I was a kid. Mm. The Okie Dog's still there, but I don't think it's a hardcore punk hangout anymore. Well, I would say, I mean, I would say Manchester 70s or 60s London. You got to do Beatles, like swinging 60s. That yeah. would be amazing. Can I say the Beatles? I. I'm not going to sit here and be like some sort of asshole and tell you the Beatles aren't good. Obviously, uh-huh. the Beatles are great, but I've never had like the emotional connection to the Beatles. Uh-huh. A lot of it's like I almost have sure. this sort of like intellectual like that's great music, right? But I'm definitely much more of like a uh, a Stones person or even a Beach Boys person or the Zombies. I like that right. stuff, but the like the Beatles, I feel like it's almost like it's like an academic thing, I guess. Well, I've I've been a Beatles nerd since high school. I have a Beatles tattoo. Like it's yeah. you know we were the Beat Girls. <laughs> we had a little clique. I was George, and um, so I have like a really emotional attachment to them. But I will I will say that when people say they don't like the Beatles, I assume that either you're just being ornery because <laughs> everybody else doesn't like them, right? And you're like, oh, the Beatles, right? Or you've never really given them enough of a listen. Like you've heard, I want to hold your hand and like that kind of stuff, but you haven't delved in and like, I'll play you like Helter Skelter or play like Cry Baby Cry or like, you know, some stuff that's like really cool and that anybody could get into. And I think there's a Beatles song for everybody. If, if you are, don't part, try to be a jerk about it. Part which, of it which, which is your Beatles song? If you um, had to pick one. Well, you're on, let's say you're on a desert island. Yeah, well, uh, Strawberry Fields Forever. Um, great one. My tattoo is a strawberry, and it says nothing oh. is real. So mm. it's all Beatlesy. But uh, uh, Maxwell Silverhammer's close second. I do love it. Julia, of course. Okay, but I um I came to it so late. I never didn't listen to when I was in like in high school. I listened to almost exclusively. 70s and 80s punk and 80s new wave and that's it that's pretty hot <laughs> that's like well that's like but it really screwed me up like there was all this stuff like guided by voices and sebado and there was like the in pavement and all this stuff that was going on in the american indie rock scene in the 90s when i was in middle school and high school that i was completely ignorant of and also classic stuff like the beatles but it's to, to the point where when i hear um what's the song that was on mad men the one beatles song uh it's called like tomorrow something anyway 
when I hear it, I think of the Chemical Brothers song first. Oh. Do you know what I'm talking about? The Chemical Brothers song that, uh, uh, and now I can't remember the name of that one either. But that well, um, you're gonna have to send it to me because I haven't it. heard it. Tomorrow never knows is what I'm guessing. Tomorrow never, yeah, because I, my head, I kept wanting to say Tomorrow Never Dies, which is a James Bond movie um, with Michelle Yao, right? That's the one with Michelle Yao. Sure. I think they all blend together. Let's Wait, be honest. Bond movies let, let or me, Asian also, girls? Let me see. Oh, no. I was going to suggest the the right answer is who gives a shit for what to the for, Bond? Pierce and Bond or all uh, uh, yeah. Pierce Brosnan Bond or probably all of them? All of them, except Skyfall and the uh, you know Casino no, Royale. I none. I, I feel like I've spent so much time on this podcast talking about how I don't care about James Bond. That well, it's let's like not tired. talk about him any longer. Yeah. Let's move on to something else. If Absolutely. None of us care. Absolutely. <laughs> Oh, here's something else that I don't born, care born about. Born podcaster right there. <laughs> something else going on in the news today oh, that uh-oh. I don't care about, but I'm starting to care about. Star uh, Wars, the Star Wars celebration and the Star Wars. Are you a Star Wars person, Julia? I think I am like most like hardcore Star Wars people. I have my VHS copy of the original films that they haven't been tampered with, and mm-hmm. I'm perfectly fine with those. And I can leave the new ones. And then like these ones... Like, they really couldn't be any worse, you know? Like, <laughs> Jar Jar Binks and stuff, is that's just bad. And, like, mm-hmm. it really can't get much worse than that. And so my hopes are kind of, eh? But the fact that they did hire Ryan Johnson gives me hope because yeah. he's incredibly smart and really talented. But that's and, like, for the he's, spinoff, right? That's for the Rogue one? second one. Oh, I that's think. the second one. Okay. Um, so I, I trust him, and I think that he'll do a really good job because he's an awesome guy. Uh, yeah, I... Uh I I don't care or think about Star Wars. I don't have any grudge against it. It's like the Beatles. I, it's I just don't know. Uh, like I, the last time I saw Star Wars uh, Episode Four: A New Hope was in 1997 in the theater when they released it with yeah. CGI and stuff. And I was like, yeah, it's still a good movie that CGI. Even like at 15, I was like, that stuff was bullshit. I don't need to see any more of these. So I haven't seen Empire of Jedi since I was a kid. Um, you know, younger than 15. You will be very so pleasantly surprised by Empire, and then the first 25 minutes of Jedi are marvelous. Um, Rancor. But I'm saying, uh, uh, wait, which one's the Rancor? The Rancor is the... That's the big brown monster that tries to eat Luke. Okay, that's not the Sarlacc, because that's also right. that's in Jedi. Pit. Yes, right. that is, yeah. Okay. Can I just mention that right now, my boyfriend, as we're doing this, is at his... RPG role playing role playing game of Star Wars called Never Tell Me the Odds. He has his own podcast, oh. so he's playing Star Wars while we're talking about Star Wars. Oh my god, that's so awesome. he wins! I will say um, that today there are probably a lot of people talking about Star Wars with the celebration and okay. going and with this trailer that I and I'm not even a guy who usually watches trailers. Yeah, I was surprised, but I I clicked on this trailer because I figure I'll excuse me. I watched like I watched the uh, Spectre trailer because I'm. Get back to James Bond. I'm never going to see Spectre, so I have no problem with watching the trailer. I generally don't watch trailers, but I kind of had this feeling like, oh, it's Star Wars. I'm not really interested. I might as well just watch the trailer. And you know what? It got me. I think I'm on board it's now tough. with it's, The Force Awakens. It's tapping into stuff that, uh, Julie, I don't know how old you are, but like if you're, frankly, if you're within like a seven year window, you grew up with Star Wars and. This is tapping into whether it be like certain sounds that I haven't heard in earnest. Since, you know, since I was a kid, or at least for the first time. And then little things like seeing, it's, there's a nice appreciation of spectacle. Like seeing, even though I'm, I know it's a CGI shot, like seeing a crashed Star Destroyer, which is early Did you on watch the, the trailer. trailer that was very exciting okay. to me. There's a, there's a crashed I would, Star Destroyer. I, I would be more impressed if it was practical. Let's just say that. Right. Also, if they brought in Chewbacca's son, Lumpy. Who shows up in the Star Wars holiday special okay. and makes if, the most annoying noise? Uh, you'll, 
<laughs> but it's, be- it's better that. than the perverted grandpa Itchy, who's just like lusting after Diane Carroll. It's really awful. Have you so- seen the Star Wars holiday special? Because no, I've heard of it. The most soul sucking thing I've ever watched in my life. Like it's- it really like you'll just lay there after, but you're like, why do I exist? David Lynch watches that thing and says like, oh. I came close with a racer head, but I'll never get to this level of surreal nightmare. That thing is crazy. Yeah. Um, no fun. No okay. fun at all. But Remember at when I said time, we were going to get to know our guest and oh, then yeah. I talked about James Bond and Beatles and Star Wars? She's got a boyfriend who's <laughs> got a, who's got a <laughs> Star, Star Wars, Wars RPG. Yeah. She, <laughs> number one thing you need to know about her. Yeah. Well, that's he also he also plays Dungeons and Dragons. So just which, to, which I've always wanted to do. I oh well, if have. you want to play, he'll be delighted to set up a game. I, I've had people offer before. It uh, it, it is uh, a commitment though. That's yeah. It's that's a, it of, takes a while. Um, okay, so you're from Las Vegas. Yes. Did you move straight to Los Angeles from Las Vegas? No, I went to UC Irvine, um, which I uh, absolutely detested. Mm. Uh, oh. But can you imagine moving from Las Vegas to Irvine? So it's like everything's open 24 hours and it's crazy. And then it's like the most whitewashed area in the entire country. And like everything closes at six. And it made me want to shoot myself in the face. It was awful. Um, but I did get to study abroad my junior year in England. I'm a big Anglophile. And like, I mean, if you, you couldn't tell already. I could tell, yeah. Um, and then I moved to L.A. in 2001. And then um, have been, you know, moved here to be an actor. And, and so I'm in a couple of horror movies. Um, you can see me in Delta Delta Die. Oh, I'm a, I can picture the cover. Hey, <laughs> yeah, I'm a cannibalistic sorority girl in that nice. movie. Um, cool, because I love horror movies. And uh, and then um, I was working at the New Beverly uh, for eight years, and then I made a movie. So, yeah. And, and now you're on this. Podcast. And now I'm on this podcast, and I thing. and I tasted beer for the first time in like 15 years, and remembered why I don't <laughs> Did drink not it. Care for it because it's yeah. gross. Well, you're such a bad influence. On and I've, I mean, the thing like if you don't like high life. You're not gonna like any other beer. This it's, is this is it says right here. the champagne of yeah, beers. Yeah, so obviously you started at the top. Yeah, you've ruled out any. No, other it doesn't beer. matter because you know my brother or my boyfriend will be like, "Oh, try this one," and I'm like, Bleh. and he's like, "No, no, try this one." And I'm like, Bleh. they're just awful, no matter what. Like even if it's chocolate flavor, it doesn't matter. Now, so David, you don't like uh, what you were saying is you don't like anything that is an acquired taste. I guess you're saying yeah, like alcohol. To me, like nobody drinks vodka for the first time. It's like, yum, that's delicious. Like you have to like force yourself to do it. And I don't understand why you need to force yourself to like anything. Just drink things you like. But isn't it to, to, I guess to, uh, to translate it to film, like as a, when I was a 16 year old, I might not have gotten a lot of joy out of the films of, uh, Antonioni, but I was, interested and i'm glad that i did because i felt like in the long run i have a greater spectrum of appreciation now so yeah but what i'm saying is if you don't like beer you don't like michelangelo antonioni i like antonio fine and i'm just saying that yeah like there's movies like sometimes people like there's movies i just i'm just not gonna go see like Furious Seven, haven't seen any of them. Not going to go see this one. And everyone, you know, give it a try. How do you know you might like it? And I'm like, you know what? I can tell you, I don't. And like, that's yeah, that kind of thing, right? Like, I could go and like acquire a taste for it, but why? Because there's so many other good movies that I should be watching instead. It also does seem to me, if you watch a lot of Antonioni films, just a whole bunch, you're not going to die of Antonioni poisoning. <laughs> so, like, fighting your that's way true. through I don't it. know. Have you seen Identification of a Woman? Watch yeah, out. That's a pretty shitty movie. <laughs> hey <Hey-o. laughs> um, You don't want to end on it. I'll say that. <laughs> so, 
okay, well, uh, let's talk about the new Beverly because I don't want to not talk about uh, that that whole thing about how uh, I mean, you were uh, like you said for eight years, you were a part of the identity of the new Beverly, mm-hmm. uh, and now you're not anymore. Um, and uh, <laughs> but here's what we're gonna do: I'm gonna tease that. Yeah, because I forgot we got more ads to read. Yeah, but I can is... do it if you want. No, I'm, are you kidding me? All right, I'm on a roll here. Okay, is, I, am, wait. I am on a roll. Right? Is there, I what, don't, is there one that I can do? Um, probably not. I don't think <laughs> it's probably not in the. We'd have to check with the people. That's first. true. Yes. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the Scully. There we go. This episode is brought to you by The Scully. The Scully is a new documentary currently funding on Kickstarter. From Mike Celestino, the writer-director of the acclaimed comedy doc That's Not Funny, The Scully will be a feature-length analysis of the history of skepticism in popular culture. How has mass media influenced our view and concept of what skepticism is and how it functions? And how has our perception of real-life skeptics influenced the depiction of skepticism in fiction? Which characters from throughout, throughout the history of storytelling fit this skeptic archetype? And which roles do they play in their respective tales? Just who exactly is The Scully? Find out by supporting the documentary The Scully on Kickstarter. Just c- click on the link at BattleshipPretension.com. And uh, also... While you're at battleshipretention.com, you gotta you're already on the internet, you're in front of the internet and you're you, looking at the right side of the page already. Yeah, yeah, you gotta you're gonna want some good earbuds. There's a lot of stuff to listen to. There's we're talking about the Star Wars trailers, there's you know, the videos of people getting hit in the head with stuff. You always wanna have good earbuds when you're watch, when you're uh, sitting in front of the internet. Best way to do that is to go to tweakedaudio.com, T W E A K E D audio.com, where you find professional quality earbuds in a variety of styles and colors at a low, low price. But if you go to tweakedaudio.com slash pretension, you get everything I just talked about for one third off and zero shipping charges. That's right. tweakedaudio.com slash pretension. Here go, we are. Go Mike Celestino, by the way. Oh, you're he's, a friend you know Mike? Uh, Mike? Yes, he's, he was very, very helpful in retweeting and getting out-of-print stuff out there. So Good for him. Yeah, he's I'll, a good guy. I, I, will, I will go and back his Kickstarter right away. Please do, yeah. I, did, you, did you see his film, uh, uh, That's Not Funny? I've seen parts of it. and I loved it. I was a big fan of it. I was, he was nice enough to let me take part in the, uh, the Blu-ray commentary of it because I'm such a big fan of it. And... Uh, yeah, I like the way he makes movies. So, listeners, if you uh, if you enjoy good documentaries and ones that are actually uh, pretty uh, pretty personal, in his case, um, then I would suggest uh, checking out The Scully. It sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. All right, moving on to the new Beverly. Back Enough about Mike Beverly. Celestino. Yeah, I hate that guy. <laughs> so um, now you just sound like a jerk. <laughs> I have no idea how to broach the the the, the subject of the new just Beverly and, and, and how you came ask to it, not be there anymore. Well, how about, how about this? Let's. How did you come to be there? Okay. Step one. So uh, I moved to L.A. in 2001, and I almost immediately found a calendar and just knew that that's where I wanted to work. And so I went there, and I asked Sherman Torgan, who was the owner for <clears> – <throat> Sherman Torgan, who is the owner for a job, and uh, asked him for a job every time I went back for five years until he caved and gave me a job. And then was like, why did I not hire you five years ago? And I'm like, I don't know. But I just ha- – there's something about the place that just kind of like resonated with me. And I was just like, this is the place I want to be because, you know, it's very casual and anti-establishment and really like community-based and plays cool stuff. And um, 
so I also uh, started the guest programming series there. So we had a bunch of directors come and program their favorite films. Um, Edgar Wright and, mm-hmm. you know, Ryan Johnson and Kevin Smith and John Landis and Joe Dante and all these guys. Um, so that was really, really fun. Um, and then uh, Quentin Tarantino took over the business last August. So August of 2014. Um, and his assistant was put in charge who uh, wanted uh, and so she basically wanted to take me down and she did take you down. That yeah. sounds very, yeah, it sounds really Hollywood, like yeah. ridiculous, yeah. like noir backstory type stuff. But it, I swear to God, that's exactly what happened. Really? It's like all about Eve type. It's very, yeah, that's, it that's is great. Yeah, it is, but it, story. you know, but it really happens. And it's like, you know, I can't, I'm like, well, now I never get to go back to my favorite place in the whole world. So that's kind of a drag. Is that by choice or are you literally banned? Like, is there a picture uh, of you in the box office? No, I don't know what would happen if I went back, but I don't really want to. Right. I'm sure. Um, yeah, it's such a, and it's so interesting because, uh, and you, you've, we're certainly not breaking the story. You've written about this, uh, in the past and, and I actually read, uh, the article when it was circulating at the time and, you know, you read it and just, and I know so many people read it and got angry at, uh, specifically at Tarantino, undoubtedly because, oh, I've heard of him. I haven't heard of his assistant or anything like that. So it gives somebody a target. It gives people a target to look at. Um, but it is a, it is a, a sad thing when you, when, you know, in, in a way you almost think about it in the same way as when the Weinsteins get hold of a really good foreign film that they feel like they can, they can distribute and get some money, but uh, maybe not in the way that, uh, that it was originally made. Uh, and it just it feels so frustrating because theoretically early on they were like big promoters of film and independent film. And as time has gone on, that has changed. And I think there's a narrative there that people really – of course it makes them angry, but I think they like buying into it. The idea that, oh, Tarantino, he used to be like such a cool guy making his great movies, but now look at him. He's this corporate weasel and all that. But but I, but, think, you've, I think you've made it clear yeah. that you don't blame him. No, I don't. And like, you know, he and I – the time that we spent together, we, as far as I can tell, like, we're the same person. Like, we just get each other and, like, get what's going on. And, like, like we have the same favorite soda, which is Tab, which is ridiculous because nobody in the entire planet drinks Tab. But, like, him and I and just – so the fact – like, I'm not – I don't think what happened to – me getting fired was not in his fault in any way. But the only thing that makes me – sad it's just like i wish he had kind of stood up for me because mm-hmm. i felt like he really knew like i you know love the cinema genuinely from my heart and i'd been working so hard all these years making minimum wage to like make this place great um and then i just got the boot so and what worse i mean how did this and by the way everyone uh this is not necessarily what not necessarily this is not why we had julia on to like dish the dirt or anything like this but this is to me a, a kind of a tragic story that i feel like could happen in Los Angeles, in New York, maybe Chicago, or like a handful and of places. And nowhere else. And not a whole lot of other places, because it does, it does feel like a very show business type of story. Well, not to mention the fact that I made a documentary about the place that fired me, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. So I now have this movie that, when I made it, had this very celebratory air, and like, look at this place, how great it is. And now is kind of this mo- melancholy feeling, because yeah. it's like, that doesn't exist anymore, that's gone. Yeah. Um, but ha- have there been changes to the film? Since? No. Um, right. Yeah. Some people have asked me, like, oh, why don't you do a coda and, like, you right, know, add right, what happened? Right. I'm like, because that's not what the movie's about. The movie's about 
here's this one place, but look, there's these places like this all over the world. And mm-hmm. like, there's could be one near you and go support that one, um, you know, and support 35 millimeter. And I think that those, those are well, the that, reason that it's uh, important to get out there. And now, that, that brings us to what I am, when it would, what I want to talk about will tie into the, to your film is, um, the thing that really makes New Beverly stand out, even among other uh, revival type theaters in Los Angeles, is its commitment to thirty five millimeter, and that's all it shows. Sure, and Quentin's a you know, and and that's the other thing. Like, how could I ever be upset at someone who did that? Like, he yeah. saved the theater, and he's like, it's going to be around forever, and it's going to show thirty five millimeter forever. So, yeah. regardless if I'm a part of it or not, I'm just happy that that place exists. Yeah. Um. But I, this is a topic that I want to talk about. Um. Because I'm not. Uh. I'm not quite a purist myself, but I also very much believe there should be uh, a place for that. And I also believe that films that were shot with that intention should always have the there should always be a place where films that were intended to be screened on 35 should be. Um, But I'm also not against newer films being shot digitally or projected digitally. Uh, I don't know how you feel feel about that. Um, In terms of new films, does it like... Does it bother you now that you can very easily see every film, every feature film that was shot in 35 in 2014, you could watch in a, in a month? Uh, does that bother you? It, well, it's hard because obviously, you know, if I had my way, I would just kind of just have, I don't, I, hmm. sorry, let me try to think about that. <clears throat> I don't know. I, you know, I filmed... Um, my film half on digital and half mm-hmm. on film. Mm-hmm. And I feel like digital as far as a filming medium is really great because it's really cheap and it allows you to kind of, you know, you don't have to go through the processing fees and everything. So I think for, you know, amateur filmmakers, it's fantastic. But I think what you're going to be watching on your computer and what you're going to be watching in a theater on 35 millimeter are just two different films. And, you know, especially when, you know, if you're watching like a Buster Keaton movie, if you're watching it at home on your computer, like, eh, but you watch it in a theater with, you know, a hundred people and everybody's laughing and like, it becomes something different. So I think, you know, the, the, it's, it sounds very kind of like old woman, but like the future kind of freaks me out. Cause I just see people becoming less and less interested in that aspect of cinema. And I feel like you can't be separated. Like you really need to have an audience and a big screen and everything there to make the cinema last. Yeah. And I feel like it's, I don't think it's going away completely. It feels like it's becoming a niche thing like vinyl collecting or something like that. And, um, on the one hand, that's heartening that I think there are people like Dune Beverly or other places that, um, are keeping that sort of uh, idea of not just 35 millimeter projection, but the, the, the theatrical experience, you know, like the draft house draft houses are doing. Um, uh, I'm glad that I'm glad that doesn't the music box in Chicago, like they're, they're pretty much film, right? I, I don't know. Um, for some reason I thought they were, I don't know. I, I might be wrong. Uh, I, I don't remember. Certainly these I, I haven't been there in a long time. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but on the other hand, it is, if you look at the big picture and you've got, you know, uh, just, I mean, going to the, going to a multiplex is a fucking nightmare. No, I, I, I am <laughs> well aware of that. Uh, yeah. And that's, I've, I've really almost gotten into a fist fight. Yeah. Hey, me too. Uh, hey. Yeah, a couple months ago. And nice. Wait, what was your one a couple months ago? I remember the Avengers one a few years ago. Yeah. Where I yelled at some 15 year olds. Anyway, <laughs> uh, 
and caused a great deal of Look, embarrassment. That's how most of us should be communicating with fifteen year olds if we have to. It See what what I do, what I do threats. is if there's if there's a, a group a group of boys or you know teenagers that seem kind of rowdy, I've actually done this. I'll go over before the movie. I'm like, look, let's just do this now. Like, if you're a dick, I'm gonna come over here and punch you in the goddamn face. And they go, <laughs> and then you don't have a problem. Here's uh, yeah. But my favorite was uh, I've told this story. The my favorite thing that I ever did that I'm so proud of myself for, mm-hmm. and it just like bubbled up was it uh, the first of many times that I saw Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Um, and there were a couple teenagers behind me and the movie was just starting. Like the actual, not trailer the movie was starting and they were still talking and without, th- I just channeled my dad without even thinking without having any like th- thought of like, could these guys beat me up or anything that I thought I would have yeah. had. I just turned around and went, Hey, knock it off. <laughs> and it well, worked. <laughs> and that's the thing you and I, this is a thing that we talk about from time to time. I still feel like I'm 17. You know, as far as my emotional maturity level. Um, but if, you know, when if, if I were to talk to a 17-year-old, they'd see me as like a grown-up. It's weird, like, isn't it? Yeah. And so if I were to say, hey, that's enough. That's like a grown-up saying that to a kid. And it's like, oh, that's... Whereas if I said it, and what happened a couple months ago, uh, I was seeing Black Sea which I was actually very interested in seeing because I'm a sucker for submarine movies. Um, so am I. And uh, That one was just all right, though. And Ben Mendelsohn. I'll watch him in anything. I'm a big fan of his. Anyway, uh, and there was this couple that was a little chatty. I think I told this story uh, on the podcast, but there was a couple that was a little chatty. And uh, and I'd had a pretty good track record. Was, okay, yes, I did. I wasn't going to yell at them. Uh, but I'd had a pretty good track record for the last year or so of like asking people politely to be quiet. And they, and they say, sure. And then they say, oh, I'm so sorry. It's like, oh, it's fine. It's fine. Uh, you know, civility. It didn't go this way. And so I went and uh, just, and look, I recognize you can't judge a book by its cover. But these people look like real fucking sleazeballs. <laughs> uh, and just the, like stringy, gross hair. And just like, oh. And, and that's the thing. I probably wouldn't have thought that. I'm, prob- I'm probably projecting that onto them based on their reaction to me. Uh, where I basically said, I'm sorry, can you please, can you please keep it down? And they immediately were just like, we're like, we're whispering. And they didn't (laughs) whisper that. And I was like, I was like, yes, I know, but I can hear you over there. And, and they're like, well then move somewhere else. It's a small theater. (laughs) And I was like, it's a small theater. I can, I will hear you anywhere. And then they're like, and then the guy's like, Hey, who are you? And just, I was like, I'm somebody who paid to see the fucking movie. And then just like, and it just, this went back and forth. And then finally I'm like, all right. And I'm just, and I just left and got my money back. Oh, and it was no. just like, and it's frustrating because in that moment, more than anything, and I'm not a violent person, but so I never, wanted to kill them. To... I wanted to stab them in the face with a knife. Mm-hmm. But that's the thing. Killing them is letting them off the hook. They need to know. They need to know why. And uh, but even then, I'm sure in that moment they'd be like, "This guy's stabbing us for no reason." <laughs> Here we are minding our own business, talking through a movie like we usually do because we're a bunch of fucks. Uh, and now here's this happening. I'm terribly sorry. You're the guest. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm sent. I'm 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 uh, misering back, sense memorying back, memorying back to uh, to how I felt, and I'm getting revved up right now. I apologize. That's okay. I'm glad I got to hear your story because mine totally beats it. Oh, oh, here we oh, go. Here we go. Okay, this this happened at a screening of Avatar on Christmas Day. Oh. And there was uh, 
these women behind us and her kid kept talking and I kept telling her, please be quiet. And afterwards, as I was walking out, she was like, there she is. So I turned around and I'm like, do you have a problem? And she just immediately launched into it. She's like, you're a fucking bitch. And, blah, blah, blah. and I was like, you got to teach your kids to like save it till after the movie. So I walked away because she's screaming at me, went to the bathroom, came out. She was still there waiting for me to continue to yell. Um, and then it was nice um, of her to give you that time. Yeah. yeah and yeah. my entire family was there. So it ended up that my entire family was getting in a fight with this lady. Nice. And uh, she she said, uh, I'll take you all on. Uglies. <laughs> and uh, I used to carry a lunchbox as a purse. I have this collection of vintage lunchboxes. So she said, nice lunchbox. What are you, going to school? Like, that was her big insult. Um, and I said to her, kids were there behind her. And her kids started to cry. And her kids, I was like, I'm sorry your mom sucks, kids. Like, um, And, like, my dad, like, we got in the car. And it was like, you know, my dad, like, my mom and dad are in their 70s. And we're all like, we should have fought her. Like, and like if, so her, if her kid wasn't, if her kids hadn't said that, like, I would have just, like, yeah. destroyed her, you know? It's so frustrating, that that feeling of, like, you know, and I, I, I make no pretensions that I do the right thing all the time, but I at least acknowledge that. And, and certainly people have a different, different definition of theater etiquette. Like I eat popcorn. People say that you shouldn't eat, you know? So we all have our different uh, in theaters, pardon me. Uh, you know, we all have our different, different theories, but at the same time, like I'm not going to consciously do something that makes noise. And if I'm going to eat popcorn, I will often put it in my mouth and then like, and then like uh, let it get soggy like uh, like uh, like cotton candy, and then I'll swallow it because I don't want to crunch too loud. Too loud, and then I'm like, what am I even doing? Why am I eating this? It's very unpleasant. And so, uh, do you know what I do? What's that? That's it's not good, but it's like a it's like a, a compulsive behavior. What's that? I crack my knuckles, oh. but I wait like. Uh, if, I'll wait till there's like someone yelling or a big musical cue, and I'll like crack as many of that as I can. Yeah, yeah. And then I'll wait for the next one, and then try to crack. As we next. we had this old guy who came into the New Beverly. Who uh, one time I was sitting in front of him, and I heard this really weird little squeaky noise, and it was really periodic. It was like. Meh, meh, meh. And I was like, what the? And I turned around and he was flossing his fucking teeth in the middle of the movie. And I turned around and I was like, sir. You got to stop doing that. And he went, fuck you. And kept doing it. Do you remember what movie it was? I'm sad I don't. Oh. I mean, I'm sure he got like, you know, popcorn kernels in his teeth. And this is what I mean. is like, he says, fuck you. And it's just like, what is it about? Uh, have, have people always been like this? Like this? It's I'm getting liter- worse. I'm literally enti- like this <laughs> mentality of like, I'm literally entitled to do whatever I think to do. Yeah. And there's, it doesn't matter if it bothers other people. And there's one word that can fix it all. You ready? Consideration. Oh, absolutely. And it's just... Look at us preaching to the kids. Yeah. Oh, hey, well, kids! Oh, the listeners have heard this before <laughs> many times, to the extent that I feel bad. I, but I love your story because ugly is that was great. Um, but yeah. It is about consideration. But I, I think I tend to think of it as decorum. Oh, which that's is nice. like, makes it sound a little fancier almost well, like an I expectation just, i just feel like you know just that consideration for others is just something that's becoming less and less a thing yeah you know it's like people yeah. driving you know like i'm sure now when you drive it's like nobody goes when it turns green because everyone's looking at their phone right and you're like no no like you have to be driving now you have to be paying attention now and it's just not necessarily as much of a thing people treat public space like private space yeah, and it drives kinda, me kind of crazy i mean my wife says i'm a bit of an overreactor because I get annoyed by 
I, mean, I get to know about all kinds of stuff. Like when I yeah. lived in the dorms, my one year that I lived in dorms, when people would come down to like the cafeteria in their pajamas, it would drive me crazy. It's like, this isn't, you're not in your room anymore. But I know that I'm overreacting. But people like, people do, uh, you know, I take the bus and the train a lot of places. People will play games on their phone with the volume up and Ugh. no headphones. Yeah. So to them, those sounds all correlate to something. All I'm hearing for 25 minutes until I get to my stop is pew, 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 pew. It's, how are you not hearing that that's yeah. annoying? I, I, I uh, often, But I know we're getting away from movies. As <laughs> listeners know, uh, yeah, let's just keep doing let's this. Let's just complain. The and then maybe in the last five minutes, yeah, we'll get to your movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, but yeah, it's uh, I go to Denny's late at night, as uh, listeners know, because uh, I keep late hours. And I recognize late hours, Denny's, I, I it, it's on me. It's really annoying. But I will say that, like, <laughs> People will show each other like videos on their phone and it's tinny and it's gross. It was, I feel like it was never meant to be watched that way. I feel like, I feel like phones should only have volume for videos if like, but when you have he- uh, uh, tweakedaudio.com earbuds. <laughs> only the tweakedaudio.com. Only tweakedaudio, please. Um, <laughs> like, but it's just, it's this thing. And, and then you hear like. Something maybe they're showing a music video, but you can't hear it. It never sounds good. All it does is serve to distract me and everyone else around. And it's just like yeah. you're in a public space. I was at a Chipotle on the way back from Vegas, your hometown. Um, do people there call it Vegas? No, really? No, good. That's I never good ever ever call it Vegas. I have to assume uh, like that's like Frisco and San Francisco. Yeah, like, I and if you say Nevada, I'm gonna puke because it's Nevada. See, and. and Missourians, which I am, tend to say Nevada, and I had to when I moved out here, yeah. had to learn. I had to teach my, and now I say Nevada, but I had to teach myself Good. to do it. I grew up um, in California, so I say Nevada. I get it. All right. um, Nevada rocks. We got prostitution. It's all good. But you know where? Okay, let's <laughs> put a pin in the Chipotle story. I like that you offered yeah. up the one thing. Yeah. It's like, I we think, got this. We're fantastic. good. I think that Nevada is a freaking awesome state. We got fucking legalized prostitution. We're the only state that has it. Yeah. Go out to your little cat house, have your little fun. Now it's all legal. I'm Everybody's all happy. The girls set what they pay, like what you pay. If they don't mm-hmm. like you, they can charge you whatever. Go Nevada. I, I'm, I'm all for it. I got, I got no problems there. Um, okay. So what was that? I was on Chipotle. Oh, Chipotle. Before that, I wanted to say, you know where uh, my sister moved, speaking of places that everyone pronounces wrong my sister moved to boise idaho oh not boise which is how everyone outside of boise says it boise boise that's how they say it so listeners feel like julia that's how you say all right i've learned something i do feel like when everyone else says it one way then you're just an asshole okay okay toddler what everyone says your name is toddler now Oh, I thought you were calling me a toddler. No, no, your name is no longer Tyler. It's toddler. And everyone has to call you that. And if everyone else decides your name's toddler now, that's your name. And you know what? If it happened enough, part of me is like, has my name always been toddler? <laughs> like, am I wrong on this? Did I did I make um, a mistake? Okay, the Chipotle story wasn't great. Uh, okay. Kid was sitting at the table with his girlfriend and listening to music while they're eating on their phone. But there's music playing in the Chipotle. It's like, how is that even enjoyable for you? You're ruining everything for everyone. Anyway, that was the point of my Chipotle story. Boise is pronounced Boise. Nevada is Nevada. Let's talk about your movie. Okay. Uh, Was the impetus for making the movie out of print, was it more about, because I've only seen the trailer, is it more about 35mm or is it more about the New Beverly in particular? Uh, What I tried to do was open on 
a particular place and like a, you know, a typical revival cinema and show you how it works. And if you've, because there's a lot of people seeing the film who have no idea that even that kind of place exists, Mm -hmm. you know? And so, you know, we show the kind of movies we show and the people who work there and the people who come there and like that kind of stuff. And then I try to broaden it a bit. And then we talk about other revival cinemas and we talk about, I went to the Prince Charles cinema in London, which is an incredible cinema um, and about 35 millimeter. And so I managed to kind of, try to shoehorn all of that in there um you got a lot of great interviews i did i did i, I got to interview a lot of my uh heroes which was really amazing and uh, my name, name some of the people for the to entice the listeners. entice the listeners uh Patton oswalt and seth green and tom holland and fred decker and uh kevin smith and edgar wright and ryan johnson and clue gulliger and joe dante and Stuart gordon yeah I could keep. Oh, you, there's you, more. You I, you saved the best for last, there. Joe, yeah. Joe Dante and Stuart Gordon. That's speaking my language. Oh, my they're. I I I know them both quite well, and I will tell you that they are both the nicest people in the entire planet. So nice. Um, I contacted Joe Dante uh, via Facebook about mm-hmm. being on the show, and uh, and I always try to give people an out saying, "Hey, if you're not interested, I understand you're very busy," and that's for me. Um, but uh, and he was super nice. He was very friendly, and he said, "Like it sounds sounds really great. I am I am actually very busy and all that." But he was very nice. A lot of people don't respond at all, but he was very nice. One time I was at a screening. It was a triple feature. I've told this story in the podcast before, but uh, it's been a while. It was a triple feature at the Egyptian. Of uh, non-horror Hammer film, like Hammer oh, stuff nice. that was like, I mean, they were they weren't these weren't like rom coms or anything. They're still pretty like heavy shit, but more like uh, like uh, thrillers and, and and stuff like that. Um, and there was no one there like hosting it. And Joe Dante happened to be there, and I guess was a big fan of one of the films, and just asked, "Hey, can I say a few words before the movie?" Yeah, because, and so Joe Dante, just being there, like introduced this movie. It was a because he knows freak. everything yeah. about everything. He is one of the most like he knows everything about film. It's really and he um, he gave me a cameo in his new movie. I got to What's be, his new movie? It's called Burying the X. Oh, uh, it's okay, with yeah, Anton yeah. Yelchin. I have yeah. a I have a line. Awesome. What's um, the line? Um, Unless it's what, a twist. No, no, it's not. Um, <laughs> what the hell's wrong with you? That's my line. Good one. <laughs> do you say that to Anton Yelchin? I do. Nice. And, and he and I talked about how much we love the New Beverly together, so it was nice. Um, yeah. uh, and then Stuart Gordon, I helped him. Uh, we were doing a Kickstarter campaign for Nevermore, which mm-hmm. is the one-man show that he did with Jeffrey Combs yeah. as Poe, which is one of the right. most incredible performances I've ever seen in my life. And we were trying to raise money to get it to be a feature film, um, and uh, we didn't we didn't raise it. Um, and I was really surprised because I it's it was going to be so super cool and like Stuart Gordon's such a great guy and a great director and it was a cool project and the, so that makes me it makes me weird because I'm like you have someone like Spike Lee who's like totally drunk in his Kickstarter video and like clearly clearly doesn't care and then you have someone like Stuart Gordon who like yeah he would really do like a kick-ass job with this and people are like meh and I was like I don't oh. I don't get it I, I, wish I guess his name it. yeah I guess his name doesn't mean as much as it as it used I'm certainly in some circles it means the world sure but and it should not, yeah but just not enough yeah that bums me out when I when I hear about that kind of thing because that because I had heard wonderful things about never it was it was it the was it at the Steve Allen theater for a while Yes, that that's right. where okay. it was. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and then the reanimator the musical was also there, which is also okay. incredible. And yeah, Stuart Gordon, give give more give more love to Stuart Gordon world. He needs it, and he's amazing. And so, in regards to uh, your film, um, one thing that I 
it, it brought up something that, and David already kind of mentioned it, and it's it's a conversation that I that I like to have because, you know, there ev- I think every film lover has like their pet, you could say causes or or whatever, um, and the idea of film versus digital uh, has never really been one of mine. It's not that I don't care. It's just that like it's one of those things where it's like. I I got I already have enough going right now. I can't take this one on too. Um and that's probably wrong of me. And I think where I come down is very much the idea that if the filmmaker shot it on film and on 35mm or 70 or whatever, um then that is how it should be shown. Um but then the other side is I have seen the movie Alien in every possible format including a really nice print in the theater. Uh, for I believe the the 25th anniversary, the best I've ever seen it was on Blu-ray. Like it's, I got I got a sense of the depth of the of the Nostromo. Like I saw it and I felt like it was my first time seeing it, which is the thing I usually say when I see a movie on the big screen on film. Uh, and I say, you know, because I'd seen Jaws more than any other movie, and then a few years ago I saw it at the ArcLight and it was a film print, and I felt like it was my first time seeing it. When I saw Alien on Blu-ray, it was it felt like it was my first time seeing it, even having seen it in the theater. And so I look at that and I just think, and then I get really conflicted because the, <laughs> because the purist in me. What do you what do you think about that? Yeah, I'm not trying to be accusatory because like the purist no. in me is like, no, film is film, and you should treasure it. Sure. No, yeah. I mean everybody. You know, I don't want to be a, a, you know a fascist about any of this because you know I'm I'm I'm. I'm fighting a losing battle anyway. You know, right. like mm-hmm. if I you know 35 millimeters kind of dying and i i realize that and it you know it breaks my heart it it really does like i feel this really personal attachment to it because i feel like it's really ridiculous to stop using it because we i don't think that digital has come to a place yet where it does look as good um and i feel like to do it just for money reasons makes me kind of ill and like that that whole side of hollywood is the is you know the money and like it's all that's what it's all about and like Mm -hmm. i can't you know, that's not like cinema. I just love cinema. It's about this art form that can make people all feel the same thing at the same time. And it's mm-hmm. amazing. And like, so, you know, as long as there's that, then that's great. Did everybody have a great time at the theater? Then that's great. You know, like, well, where I, where I get up in arms, my, one of my pet causes, I guess, that has to do with 35. It isn't about shooting on 35 and it is about projecting on 35. I like those things. Fine. But archiving is, exactly. this is a big issue. Yes, that, and that yeah. we we now know that stored in the right condi- conditions, a film stored on thirty five millimeter will last a hundred years and more. Yeah. We don't know that all these movies that aren't getting aren't having thirty five millimeter archival prints struck that are just being put on DCPs and being put away somewhere. We don't know in five years how much those are going to hold up. And I, it's scary. I, we're going to, I, th- I feel like we're going to get back to a point like we did with a lot of the silent films where stuff's going to get lost. Well, watch my film. Cause we talk about that very exact same thing. Good, Cause that is very close to my heart. I, yeah. I well, I mean, I'm a big VHS collector, you know, mm-hmm. so I have VHS that aren't available on DVD yeah. and probably won't be because they're just these random movies. And like the fact that people don't seem to mind that we're just going to lose a bunch of format, you know, because every time you change formats, you lose stuff. But there's this is going to be a, a, a really big loss, I think, because there's going to be so many movies on 35 that people are just gonna be like, ah, nobody cares. And like, they're just gone forever. Yeah, it's and I'm, I'm a big you mentioned Buster Keaton earlier. I'm a big fan of Buster Keaton. And so 
you know, I've read some books about him and stuff. And what was so interesting is, you know, like any number of silent films and silent uh, filmmakers and stuff. I mean, he had his he had his films like I mean, his films were floating around, but they weren't really taken care of. And then he had just a garage full of them, not really stored well. And then uh, thankfully, there was this guy who was more opportunistic than anything else. Like he didn't really care much about preservation. He just wound up doing it because it was going to make him money. But it's a good thing he did because that was the most complete collection of Buster Keaton, as one would imagine. Um, and there are movies that had he not taken the time to properly preserve, preserve them, we wouldn't see them. We wouldn't have them. They literally wouldn't exist. And that, the idea of that is, is genuinely terrifying to me. And so if I have, if I actually have to take up the cause of like 35 millimeters so that I like, you know, not that people care much about battleship retention, but like if, if that, if that is what it takes for for like things to for people to take uh, preservations uh, more seriously, then it's like, oh, okay, then I can make this uh, towards the top of my causes. Well, that's great because I think you know it's such a short sighted thing for mm-hmm. the studios to be doing. Like, do you not like you have to realize that there's a future and like you have to cater to the future, and like you can slap something on that was made in 1905 and it'll play, mm-hmm. but. Think about a hundred years from now and how fast technology is going. Like it's going to be so obsolete, and it's really yeah. terrifying. And if the Furious Seven DCP could become corrupted and lost to the ages. <laughs> but luckily, I have a thirty-five millimeter print of my film, so <laughs> I, I am good to go. Uh, where uh, I mean, I know per- currently it's very difficult for people to see <laughs> your film. It what, is. What should people do if they want to see your film? Uh, the trailer's online, mm-hmm. and uh, it, there it is online. If you're dying to see it and you can't wait, then um, you can contact me on any of my various social media sites, and I will give you a secret special super password, uh-huh. and you can watch the movie. But what's more important is that we need to get this movie out where people yes. can Yes. Oh, oh can it, see it, it is. It is actually also touring, but kind of uh, sporadically and all over the map. Uh, it just played in New Mexico and Texas. It's going to be playing in Seattle, then in Cleveland, Vienna, Frankfurt, Denmark, New Zealand. Like, it's just, like, kind of, like, all over the place. It's really random. But I, I will say that... Are you traveling with the films in any of these places? No, I wish I was. Um, it is scary watching your one print of your film. Whew. Like, oh, okay, FedEx, please don't. Please, that's all there is. There's this one. But there's an interesting thing about it. Be careful, it because... those New Zealanders. They'll, they'll keep it. <laughs> <laughs> they will. It's interesting because, like, when you're making a film digitally, you can kind of endlessly edit forever and ever and ever. Yeah. But, but once you have a 35 millimeter print of it, it's stuck. Like that's it. Right. So I think it's very in- George Lucas. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've said it before, and I will say it again. I am honestly surprised that a fan has not killed George Lucas yet. Well, let's not put any ideas in people's heads. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Just saying. Yeah, it's. It's so interesting the 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 idea of film versus digital to get, to to go back to that because you do run across some people actually uh, before I get into that do you know like are there filmmakers now that shoot only on film I, th- yes. I think Tarantino only shoots yes. on film right? Christopher Nolan no yes okay. uh, Pete Paul Thomas Anderson okay. uh, Joe Carnahan I know does Mark Romanek does okay. Uh, do the Coen brothers or have they... I don't know. Okay. It seemed like... For, they seem like the type that would. Yeah. Did you see... Uh, imagine you've seen Side by Side. That I did, yeah. Um, 
I thought it was a little dry and I thought it like focused. I thought it focused a little bit too much on the filming bit and not enough about the exhibition. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. I I knew of course that what James Cameron and George Lucas were going to say was going to make me angry. Uh, I was not prepared for Soderbergh. Oh, like he came on and he was like, and he was like, film's dead. And I was like, Ooh, Soderbergh, you just nailed that coffin, man. (laughs) Like I'm just, you just, I've never been a big Soderbergh fan anyway. Like he just doesn't make the kind of movies I like, but I was like, come on, man. Like I thought you knew what it was about. And he's like, man, digital. But the the best part of that movie, the best line in that movie. Well, Keanu. (laughs) You know it. (laughs) Yeah, of course. In case you don't know, Keanu Reeves asks David Lynch, David, are you done? shooting on on film and he says you know keanu i think i am (laughs) (laughs) Uh, that's one of the that that gets to the heart of one of my favorite uh things to think about is that we so often talk about celebrities directors actors whatever uh by their first and last name that we sometimes forget that yeah that first name is the thing people will use yeah so his name is keanu yeah which i don't mean to say that's a bad name but it's just keanu reeves you just say it in its full form. Yeah, it, but someone calls him Keanu. It's like when I'm like, "Hey, Quentin, what's up?" And you're like, "That's so weird." Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, uh, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. So, what what does strike me as interesting is, um, you know, and you mentioned Soderbergh's attitude that like film is dead, and while part of me is just like, "That's a it's a weird attitude to take in general, especially when you are a somewhat influential director and you can actually affect uh, things," but. Um, but yeah, do you feel like so I get very nostalgic about video stores mm, and yeah. the fact that the, uh, most of, that many of them are gone. Although there's one that opened opened near me, ooh, like in the la- like in September, and I didn't even know about it until a couple months ago. And I tried to go there. I got my new laminated video card. I was nice. so excited. But um, and apparently they're doing very well, which is very exciting. And um, and so, but I get very nostalgic about video stores and and the the loss of them because of how I grew up. Um, and do you feel like, and whenever I, I run across the, the, the debate of, of film versus digital, uh, people tend to particularly, not so much in exhibition, but particularly in shooting, there are a lot of people who really dig in their heels and say like, no, somebody who shoots digital is a sellout there. You know, it's like film is where it's at. And I do find myself for the sake of argument, I do, I do want to bring up the idea uh, just in the trailer, you you include somebody, and I don't remember who's saying, talking about how like the way film changes goes from silent to talky, from black and white to color, and certainly there are still there's not a lot of silent movies made these days, uh, but there are still occasionally films there, shot in black and white. One won the Oscar. One won the Oscar a couple yeah, of years yeah, the ago. The artist, and then there was Taboo and Blanca Nieves. All yeah. like in the space of like a year. Yeah, that was weird. It's catching fire. And then it went away. Yeah. Flash in the pan. Uh, and so it's... But you know what? Hopefully, maybe those movies got people interested in older silent films, which the idea of that excites me. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, so I'm sorry. I'm kind of I'm kind of beating around the bush. So, like... Um, we'll knock it off. Is it... Get to the point. Okay, I'll get to the point. I'm so sorry. Um, slide home, man. Slide home. <laughs> I, I, I'm going back and forth between... Before, between uh, third and home base. Oh. Um, but, no... Uh, so do you think that there is uh, an element of mere nostalgia for the by purists and by film lovers for just the idea? It's like for this this era that is bygone, but there's nothing necessarily if it comes to preservation. I'm totally on board with that. Right. And I understand that and, and archival and stuff like that. 
But do you think there are people that are just clinging to this old way because it's what they've known, what they grew up with, and they're arguing for it in the name of nostalgia? They wouldn't put it this way, but in the right. name of nostalgia more than anything else. Well, I mean, I'm probably the most nostalgic person on the planet, so you know, I may be biased, but I will say... Um, my first job was in a video store mm-hmm. and, um, the thing that was so great about it was that I got to recommend movies to people and, you know, people would come in and they would have, everybody would have the same question, what's new and in and good. And they'd want to watch some stupid action, something. And I spent that whole summer being like, have you ever seen say anything by Cameron Crowe <laughs> stars? John Cusack is really, and I like pushed that movie like crazy. And everybody who came back was like, I really liked that, you know? And so like that element will be gone. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that that human element and like getting people to recommend things to you and kind of like taking you in different directions is a really valuable thing. And that's going to be lost. Mm-hmm. Um, Isn't that what we're all doing on Twitter all day, though? Yeah. No? Yeah. Is it? It's <laughs> disconnection. It's one man. of the things we can do. But those are people. And that, also be shitty to one another, which is something I try to do less of. But the only people you're talking to are people that are following you, whereas in a video store situation, People, they're coming in to watch a movie, so there is that agreed upon thing, but they don't know who you are. Right. And you're just. I was at a Redbox the other day and I overheard some people talking about uh, St. Vincent, a film that I think is fine. Um, (laughs) And just. uh, But they were also talking about Wild and they were going back and forth. And I was at the other Redbox next to it and I want to be like, get Wild, it's way better. But then I was just like, eh. But if it was if I was not merely working at a movie store, but if I was actually a customer in the movie store and I overheard people saying that somehow, uh, I would feel no qualms about saying it. That's, well, that's, that's I mean the the thing that was always you know so great about as great about uh, going to see a movie is just like you know especially somewhere at the New Beverly like you there's a community like people mm-hmm. hang out afterwards and chat about the movies and like that part for a lot of people is the best part of watching movies mm-hmm. like yeah you watch it but then you talk about it with other people and like dissect it and like why did this happen and so you're you're losing the human connection part yeah. and you're just doing and there's nothing wrong with it i mean i watch movies on my computer too but i'd wish i'd rather see it on the big mm-hmm. screen you know and in a way, this and this is uh, probably an unanswerable question, but in regards to, you said human connection, and so I want to get conceptual, I apologize. Uh, you can't touch digital, but you can actually touch film. Like there is, so when you're, when you're holding a reel or something like that, there's the realization that someone, maybe it was just in processing, but whatever, that, like, that another human being has touched this thing. Yeah, no, that's a definite thing, and especially... I'm, I'm not as romantic as you guys. No, yes. no, but I, I mean... <laughs> you can touch a hard drive, right? <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, a physical so. thing. But to, to so. you know, if I, if I found a reel of something from 1934, and I like, you know, holding it in your hand, and just thinking of all the places it's played, of all the places it's been to, that's yeah. an exciting feeling, but I'm also like an antique store person, and that's why, because you go mm-hmm. like, wow, like, who had this, and you know, where what happened to this thing, and now I own it, and so... I feel that, that about art museums as well. Like if I'm standing in front of like a Picasso. Now, look, I get it. I'm not supposed to touch the paintings, yeah. but I do. I always do. That's a joke. I actually don't. I would get tased if yeah, I did. Yeah, you're thrown out on your ass. But I do. I do want. I do sometimes want to like reach out and like touch and feel the actual mm-hmm. like brush strokes and realize like. Look, I recognize. Yes, I recognize really sappy and really romantic and all that. But like, you really feel like you're connecting with. Picasso in that moment like this is the thing that he, he touched touched and, and, and engaged with and so well, I mentioned earlier level. the um, 
the that noir exhibit that was at the Skirball Center. I don't know if you went to or uh-uh. was there, but they had like the costumes from Casablanca, like literally yeah. like Humphrey Bogart wore that, like that thing that's two feet in front of me yeah. that was on him. And also people were so small. People have gotten yeah. so much taller in such a short amount of yeah. time. I always think about that like with vam- if vampires were real, they'd all be like really short. Right. And very skinny. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. yeah you see like dresses anyway. made for they had a uh, Rita Hayworth's dress for Gilda in the lobby of the Chinese. And it was like a, like a toddler, like uh-huh. 11 year old, like the tiny. And you're like, who? Nobody's that small. How do your organs fit? Um, what is that line from Blazing Saddles? It's the last thing that uh, Harvey Corman says where like he sees, I think it's Douglas Fairbanks hands. And he's like, oh, how, how did he, he do, do those stunts with such tiny hands? That's right. <laughs> and then passes out. Uh, yeah. Uh, that's a good movie. Blazing, Blazing Saddles. All right. Um, what else do we want to talk about? Um, I felt like there was something, but where, where the, you, you talked about uh, Outer Print is is touring around. Where uh-huh. do people find the dates? Say they're in Vienna or uh, Auckland or wherever. Uh, I they are posted on my website, which is juliamarchesi dot com. M a r c h e s e. Yeah. Nice. Well done. So it's like it's like the, Mar- it's like the phrase Julia marches. Yes, with an extra an e, e on, on the end. end. Yeah. yeah. I'm glad you discovered that. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it makes it um, easier. I have I have stories that I want to tell you, but they are have to do with my job, and I don't talk about my job on the podcast. Oh, so your job stories. is to throw film prints in the fire. No, that's not and, true. At uh, all. It's as something that Soderbergh whips you. Uh, <laughs> um, but this is uh, so much fun. Uh, I don't know if there's anything else we need to that you were dying to talk I, about. I but, can just keep talking to you guys all night. I well, mean, I got. We got Soderbergh stories. We got whatever. <laughs> I am going to David I'm, Lynch impressions. I'm probably going to Denny's in about an hour and five minutes. So we got to be done by then. Okay. Well, I have to get up and go to work in the morning. Ah, so we should probably wrap up. Um, but this was so much fun. Um, out of print is the name of the film. Uh, Julia Marchese is the name of the person. Uh, you can find all of them online. We'll get back. We'll, we'll get out specific websites and stuff in in a second but first let's do ours we're right. ba- we're battleshipretention.com that's where this podcast is all the other podcasts in the bp fleet and all of our movie reviews check out my review of uh true story uh up this week um my review of by the time this is up monkey kingdom monkey kingdom um that's up uh you can email us at david at battleshipretension.com or tyler at battleshipretension.com you can follow me David on Twitter at Davy Pretension, and you can follow Tyler on Twitter at Tyler Pretension. Now, Tyler, you have another podcast. It's called More Than One Lesson. I do. It's in morethanonelesson.com. That's right. What What's are you guys it? talking about? Yeah, what do you talk about? Well, uh, you mean in general or this week? This week. All right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. okay. Sorry, I've never had the guest get in on the question. No, uh, in general, it is film discussion from a Christian point of view. But um, not Christian film. It is a discussion of secular it, films from a Christian point of view. Occasionally we talk about Christian okay. films and uh, spoilers, we tend not to care for them. But uh, this week we talk about uh, David Fincher's Gone Girl and we compare it to Mike Nichols' Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. Oh, that's a if good If you were to watch both those movies in one night, you would A, kill yourself, uh-huh. <laughs> B, kill your spouse, or C, kill both. I don't know. A lot of options there. Three, I guess. Um, but, I'll uh, watch them and, and I'll tell you how it went. Oh, or not. <laughs> or not. Um, you'll read about it. Uh, my other podcast, which is in no way shape or form a Christian podcast, uh, <laughs> is is called Hey, Watch This. Uh, it's about television. 
this week, Paul and I are talking about the Silicon Valley uh, season two premiere. How's Martin Starr? And uh, he's great. Good. This is a fantastic uh, season premiere. Spoilers for Hey, Watch This. I'm going to have loved the Silicon Valley season two premiere. And we'll also be talking about the series finale of Justified, which will be fun for me because I haven't watched an episode in three years. I've never seen a single episode of that show. And I, I've, I've been told that I would love it. I'm... That's what I told you that for a couple of years. Yeah. I'm envious of people who were able to move past and forgive the show for season three and go back to loving it. Because season three, I was on board with Justified from day one. I watched the pilot. I loved it for two whole seasons. Two whole seasons. Season three broke my heart so bad. Boy, oh boy. I just had that, that same experience with, with Glee. Oh, yeah. I stuck, I stuck Glee. I stuck with Glee all the way to the all, end. All the oh. So, okay, see, like, I was like, okay, the last six months have been, like, the worst of my life. Like, I've been, like, incredibly depressed and, like, Glee is so hokey. But, like, Glee actually made me feel better. And they were like, yeah, you can be anything you want. And I was like, yeah, I can fucking do it. Yeah. Um, and then I watched season six, the first episode, and I was like, it's a joke, right? Like, it's a nightmare, and they're going to wake up. And, like, what are you doing? What are you doing? And they just destroyed it. And it so you stopped? Uh, or you... Oh, I, I didn't watch season six. I was like, why would you do that? Yeah, like, you, you were like, you, you like built us up to break us down. I don't understand Ryan Murphy. You didn't miss anything. It, it was a real disappointment. I, I, uh, I saw it through because I feel like if I watched the show for six years, I'm just going to, I'm just going to pretend end. that the end of season five is the end of the show. Okay. It's like with Twin Peaks. I'm like, there's the Laura Palmer story arc. And then I check out and right, then that's all right. I need. Having recently rewatched Twin Peaks, uh, it's so interesting. There's like four episodes after the Laura Palmer murder arc is resolved there's three or four episodes that are like tough you want all you want to do is quit and it's like the show is begging you to do it uh but then after that finally they like they get another arc going with, with his uh there's partner, too much rubbish to to sort through there's, it is there is some rubbish. i do not buy heather graham <laughs> i do not buy billy zane like cooper and audrey should be together mm. Which I, and I watched some some special features, and apparently that was a thing that they wanted to do. But I think Kyle MacLachlan's like, well, she is in high school, you know. Like maybe let's not do this. Yeah, it's makes a me rough. angry. <laughs> you want the? I want Audrey and Cooper together, you know, the and, and that's the old high school. She's amazing though. She's not just like any ni- normal not eighteen year old. Like she's fucking like his. Do you think she's that, up there? Do you think that argument will work in court? No, <laughs> like, judge. But, she's amazing. Uh, <laughs> Hang on, let me get a cherry stem. You'll see yes. what I mean. Anybody who looks at Audrey Horn should know. She's incredible. Okay, um, that's all our stuff. Julia, where can people find you uh, on the internet? Websites, uh, so stuff. JuliaMarchesi.com will have links to all of my social media Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Vine, Tumblr, whatnot. Um, and I just want to throw in here because I want to say I'm never going to have a chance to say this ever again in my life that uh, I did have an idea for a movie called Battleship Patinkin uh-huh. that starred Mandy Patinkin. But that's it's like all. a one man show where he does all the parts. I don't know exactly what it was going to be, but I was just well, like, I got I got to get Patinkin. I got to get Patinkin. Well, now you, you say that this would be a movie idea. You could do a podcast with uh, Mandy Patinkin in which he just talks about the events of the day. I've heard he's not very nice. I've heard that as well, which makes <laughs> it all true? the better. <laughs> I don't want to hang out with him if he's a dick. <laughs> hey, uh, hey, Patink, uh, look, here's all the Republican candidates that are declared for president. Uh, what do you think? And then just walk away from the mic and Oof. go. Oof. You call him Patink? <laughs> I think so. Hey, Pettykins. What do you think of it? All right, that's... Uh,